0: Hi everyone. This is Ben Rim with the fir- with the very first broadcast of my podcast called Sports Connect. I'm very excited to have my first guest, Coach Luke Kendall from Poly Prep Country Day School. Coach Luke Kendall was a star basketball player and star lacrosse player while growing up in Limbrook, New York. He went to a, He went to Amherst College, where he became a Division three All American attackman in lacrosse and team captain in basketball. After his graduation from Amherst, he started his career as a sports reporter for Newsday. In 2017, Coach Kendall took over the boys lacrosse team at, boys lacrosse program at Poly Prep where he also coaches the boys JV basketball team. I'm excited to have you on the podcast and thanks for being my first interview. Uh, Let's just jump right into it. Um, So uh, what was it like uh, playing two sports in high school?
1: I was going to say playing two sports in high school uh, was, was, was relatively easy. You know, we, we, we moved from season to season. And I actually think playing two sports in high school helped me because when I was playing basketball, once the season ended, I couldn't wait to get out of the gym and get outside in the sun and play lacrosse, you know, out on the fields. And when lacrosse season was done, I couldn't wait to get back, you know, into the gym and play basketball. So it always kept me enthusiastic and excited about the sports, about both of them.
0: So, so the seasons never, um, never bumped into each other and everything.
1: It was maybe one week of overlap, but that, but that never really ended up being a problem. Uh, I mean, thankfully from playing basketball, I was in good shape. Uh, so stamina wise I was fine and it usually took, I would say, you know, maybe a week for my stick work to get back into, uh, into shape
0: yeah so that so that worked out well for us okay
1: um, and and it was the yeah. same thing in college there was a little bit of an overlap you know
0: right right um and then to sort of piggyback onto that um how did you juggle um I guess your your school responsibilities with being on the teams
1: well you know I, I was fortunate because having grown up in a house with a father who was who was a college basketball coach and a mother who was a teacher, you know, they were both teachers, you know, the schoolwork definitely, you know, always came first. Uh, And one of the things I learned at a very young age was how to balance the time I spent with my sports versus the time I spent with my academics. Um, And I'd say when I, when I got to college, you know, I was fortunate that they had advisors to help us because we did have, you know, a game schedule. We'd be traveling and, and being on long bus rides here and there. Um, so they were always sure to make, you know, that we had enough study halls and that we had enough time to make sure our schoolwork got done and that it wouldn't interfere with, uh, with our sports games or practices.
0: Right. So it was, would you say it was easier, um, would you say it was easier in college or high school, I guess, to handle the the schoolwork? I would, I, I would say
1: it was easier, it was easier in high school because as I said, you know, I did have, you know, my family around and they helped, you know, help me stay organized. Uh, When I got off, when I went off to college, you know, it it worked out fine. It it definitely, there were times when it was difficult because, you know, as I said, you know, we, we didn't really, you know, back in the eighties, we weren't flying to our games. We were taking long bus rides, And sometimes you would, you know, you'd be able to get your schoolwork done, but then you get home from a game, at two or three in the morning and you had a, an eight o'clock class and, you know, you either, you know, get to the class and you'd be exhausted. So maybe you weren't, you know, as focused as you should be. Um, but, you know, I, I was able to, to make it through.
0: Um, and then what, when did you decide? Um, when did you decide whether it was in high school or when did you decide that you wanted to play a sport in college?
1: I always kind of knew I did. You know, as I said, I grew up in a house where my dad was, was a college coach. All of his friends were college coaches. And it had always been a childhood dream of mine to play something in, in college. You know, usually, you know it, mostly basketball. Uh, at the time, growing up, I would say lacrosse was my number two. But the interesting thing is I felt that when I got to college, lacrosse became more of my favorite sport because I could feel myself improving. Uh, But as lacrosse player, I was able to, you know, feel the growth and development in college. Um, Kind of knowing that that's what I wanted to do. And that really kind of led to, you know, the reason that I left Yale. Uh, I went to Yale as a freshman in college. Uh, They had recruited me for basketball, lacrosse, and basically, you know, had said that I could do both sports. And when I got there, it became apparent that, you know, even in the Ivy League, it's a Division One, it's a full year commitment for each sport, and you really weren't going to have the time uh, to, to play both sports. Uh, I mean, playing Division One sports back then, and, and even now, for sure, you know, it, it's a job, it's a full time commitment. You know, on top of your schoolwork, it's it's a lot of work, and and even as a Division Three athlete these days, it has gotten to that point as well. You know, back in, in, in the 80s when I was in college, you know, being a Division three athlete, you know, you certainly put in your time and, and your hours, but it definitely didn't, you know, it wasn't quite as
0: intense. Um, and then when did you decide you wanted to play um, both sports in college?
1: You know, when I was a junior in high school, I, I kind of thought I was going to go to college and just play basketball, and that was really all I was going to do. And, you know, I was one of those guys that, you know, I kind of went through puberty late. So I went from being this little, you know, little guy, and I kind of grew into myself as a senior in high school. And I got, you know, a little bigger, a little stronger, a little quicker. And I had a really good season as a senior. And I really wasn't considering lacrosse at the time. And I'm like, you know what? I really had a great time and I, and I enjoyed myself. So maybe I can go to a school where I can do both of these sports. And, it, you know, like I said, it, you know, Yale originally told me I could at the division three level, I had a lot of schools, a lot of NESCAC schools, uh, that, that told me that I could play both sports. Um, and, uh, you know, when I, I went to Yale and, and it, you know, it didn't quite work out the way I wanted. And I transferred to Amherst and, And the truth is this, as a senior in high school, you know, I sent in deposits to both Amherst and to Yale because I really couldn't decide. They were both beautiful schools, great reputations, great academics, you know, great networking um, and, and outstanding athletic programs to go along with with, you know, obviously the phenomenal academics. And I chose Yale. You know, they had sent me that. The, the schedule for the season and we were going to be going to Stanford and Tennessee. And, you know, for a young 18 year old kid, it was very exciting. Um, but, but I just, you know, from the minute I got to Yale, and I really enjoyed Yale as a school. In fact, I did better academically at Yale than I did at Amherst. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but I would say that, you know, I kind of knew right away that sports was going to be a better fit for me at Amherst at a division three net school. I I definitely knew right away that, you know, there was good. First of all, there was less athletes. You know, Yale, there there was much more competition. um, And it really was going to, you know, they wanted, I I was going to have to choose one over the other. And and basketball just wasn't going to work out the way I wanted to at Yale. And uh, I had a good relationship with the Amherst coach. And uh, I reached out to him during the school year to see if it was still a possibility, if I could transfer there. And uh, quite honestly, Amherst is a tiny school. There's 1,500 students. So there's, you know, 350, 400 kids in each grade, which is not a lot for a college. Right. And transferring in, there's just not a lot of spots. So I, I, I consider myself really, really fortunate, really lucky that I got that second opportunity to go there. Um, and it turned out to be a great situation. I mean, Amherst, the town itself is completely driven by the colleges. UMass is in town. Amherst College is in town. Smith College, which is, at the time was an all-woman's college. Hampshire College and uh, Mount Holyoke. So the entire area was like one big, great college town. Um, not that New Haven wasn't great. Uh, you know, I enjoyed my time there but Amherst really was just a a
0: great college town devoted to, you know,
1: the students.
0: And what was your recruitment like to Yale? And then what was it, what was it like, um, I guess, going to Amherst and just transferring there from Yale? Well, back then,
1: back then, you know, uh, I, I had started to get, some recruiting letters from some coaches i had heard from the university of vermont i had heard from rutgers i had heard from you know a bunch of schools mostly division one schools for basketball um and with yale their assistant coach started to come down to a lot of my games uh, out at limerick high school and so i knew they were interested although my father who was a college coach correctly pointed out the head coach hasn't come to see you play so he wasn't quite as sure about how interested they were. Uh, I mean, listen, they helped get me into the school, so obviously they did want me. Um, and I lucked out on that front. Uh, I mean, I was a good student. I had good grades, but, you know, I was run of the mill, very average. Um, there was no real AAU basketball back then. Um, you know, today, you know, especially for the kids that I coach at, at Poly Prep, like JV Basketball Kids, and even the younger kids, kids you know AAU basketball is such a monster and such a, yeah. a big machine that all these kids that are really good basketball players you know they're being identified by college coaches already and they don't even care like where they're going to high school they're watching them play in these AAU tournaments and these travel tournaments all over the country whether it's the Nike EYBL or the Adidas Grassroots or Riva whatever you know whatever the league is and whatever the tournaments are they're playing in That's how kids are getting recruited more today. Whereas back then, you know, there were scouting services. There were a lot of camps. I went to a camp, uh, really a legendary camp called Five Star Basketball Camp down in Pennsylvania. And every year they would get the best players in the country who go there. And all the college coaches would come to watch these kids at this camp because that's kind of how they did it back then. Uh, and they would go to your high school to see games and such, but uh, it's changed now. It's and and even on the lacrosse side. I mean, you know, you as a player for the Express, you you see, you know, these tournaments is are where college coaches are looking at kids and people are looking to get them, you know, to high school, to get them into colleges, to get them into prep school. Boarding schools are now very much involved because they'll come to a yeah. kid and say, hey, you know. Ben Rim we'd love you to come and be a postgrad it'll give you a year to get bigger a year to get stronger a year to get your academics better and now it'll be easier for us to get you into a college to get you into our school right and that's kind of taking the place of the old time okay my the college coach is in my high school gym watching me play that doesn't really happen as much anymore
0: yeah yeah and and I'm sure it's changed, just like most things, like, like you mentioned, and just most things in college in general. But mm-hmm. um, how much did, like, your grades and um, how you did in school impact you being recruited, uh, like, your experience? It impacted with- it a
1: lot. It definitely did. And I would say, you know, the one thing I do remember, I will never forget this. When I went to Five Star, at night, they would have these little, like, mini
0: lectures
1: where they would bring in famous coaches, whether it was, you know, they had major college coaches come in and give lectures. And one night they had a lecture and a college coach was talking about getting recruited. And the first thing he said was, he said, look around you. And you're looking around and there were guys that ended up being college All-American. He's like, there's two or three of you here that could pick wherever you want to go. But the bulk of you going to have to reach out. OK, and the most important thing is, what are your grades? If you have great grades, doors are going to open up for you that you had no idea were going to open. If you yeah. have good grades, we can come in, OK? Because especially now, what happens is, you know, I don't know if, if you're aware of this, like with the NCAA, they'll look at a team, and it doesn't matter what the sport is. It's basketball, cross, whatever it is. Every team, so if Ben, if you and I are on a team, and we have 10 other guys and we're on a basketball team together they're taking our gpa and they're figuring out and these schools need to be able to say and need to be able to show gpa as a team chances are you're not making the nba chances are you're not making the pll yeah but when you graduate from our school with a degree you're going to do well and very often they will take kids even as a recruit even if they know they're not as good a player, possibly maybe they can get a couple of kids who are better players. They need kids that have good grades on their team also to keep the GPA up. Um, I was just saying that as a whole, the team, the team GPA matters. So if you have good grades, chances are there'll be more people recruiting you.
0: And would you say that that still stands today? Absolutely. A hundred
1: percent. A hundred percent. In fact, I would say it counts even more today because I think that if, you know, in this era where people will look and say, oh, yeah, he can go to this college, but they don't graduate kids. They don't care how the kids do as a student. You know, that's not what colleges want to hear. That's not what they want to hear. They want to hear that their school is doing a good job and that kids on their team, you know, their GPA, the team GPAs are good. Um, and, and that's what they're looking for. That is right. really what they're looking for very often. So I would say your grades in the recruiting process are critical. Yeah. Um, and if we're talking about lacrosse, quite honestly, lacrosse, the, when you look – forget this year because the Ivy League is obviously not playing because of COVID. Yeah,
0: right. If
1: the Ivy League were playing, okay, chances are you'd have Yale – You'd have Penn, you'd have Cornell okay maybe even Brown this year Brown had some good players in the yeah. top 10 in the country. all the Ivy Leagues are great teams in Lacrosse. So they and they know they need to get good grade, kids with good grades in there. Yeah. okay So if you have good grades, it opens up a lot of windows for you that often wouldn't.
0: Yeah yeah um, And then while you were at Amherst, um, what was your reaction um, to being named an All-American Attackman?
1: You know what? I, I was always more of a W guy. I just wanted to yeah. win. And we did. You know, we, yeah. we, we had a really, really good team. Uh, my junior year, we were actually a little better than when I was a senior. There was a great junior class who were, who were uh, a great senior class. That was a year ahead of me. And we had a great season. We were 12-1. and one. And the only loss was our first game of the year, which was literally, you know, like you spoke about, three days after the basketball season ended. I had yeah. had like one practice, and a couple other guys were coming from other sports. One guy was a water polo All American in Amherst, and another guy, you know, was, was playing another sport. Um, and after that, we won 12 games in a row. Um, so, so you know, yeah, I, I would, you know, we, we were fortunate to have some success and uh, it really made it a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. I have to say, you know, and back then in the eighties, the NETAC conference did not allow teams to go to the NCAA division three tournament. Like they do now, when yeah. you look at the NCAA division three tournament now, Amherst Williams, Wesleyan won the yeah. national championship two years ago or three years ago. And back then, they didn't want to do it because it conflicted with, um, it was a conflict of time with finals. They didn't want us going to travel to different right. places in the country while we should be at school studying for finals. So the best we could do was win, uh, what was called the ECAC, the East Coast Athletic Conference. It was, it was basically the New England championship. And we were lucky and we won it. We were 12 and one. We had a great time. Um, but it would have been fun to see how we would have done on more of a national stage. Yeah. Because a lot of the teams at our conference, once they change that rule, they've done really, really well.
0: Yeah. Um, and then you, you already touched on this a little bit, um, but what, what was it like transferring from Yale to Amherst? Um, and just what was your overall thoughts on that? <laughs> well, let's see.
1: So, as the year was going on because you apply to transfer during the school year. Yeah. So I applied to Amherst during the year uh, while I, while I was at Yale, I said, listen. I said, I'm 18 years old. I said, I'm 18 years old. Amherst college is a great school. I said, I've always dreamed of playing college basketball and college lacrosse. Okay. I said, and I'm not willing to give up my dream. I'm, I'm happy to go to a school that has a great reputation. Also, I don't think I'm losing that much transferring from Yale to Amherst and I want to do it and I have to say, you know, in retrospect, it was one of the best decisions of my life. I, I have no complaints about that decision.
0: Yeah. You know, um, for me, yeah.
1: Ben, my goal in life is to be happy. <laughs>
0: yeah. You yeah. know?
1: And I think that that's what every kid should be looking for.
0: Yeah, and while you were at Amherst, um what did you major in and then how did that correlate to lacrosse and into like the real world
1: I uh I majored in I originally was an economics major and then I also had taken a bunch of political science classes so I ended up being a double major at Amherst of econ and poli-sci I would say the correlation was was really you know competition I'm a very competitive guy I was even more competitive back then yeah and being an economics major, I knew I wanted to go to Wall Street, hopefully after college, maybe a continuation of the competition and the competitiveness. And every day, you know, my 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 the first job I got was at Bankers Trust. I became, uh, I went through their training program. I was trading foreign currency and foreign bonds. And what what I liked about it was that it felt like an extension of sports for me, because yeah. every day I'd wake up, I'd get to my desk. And every day was a new day and you had a scorecard. There was a, there was a scoreboard. Did I make money today? Did I lose money today? What did I do? And it was, you know, you put the blinders on and and you went to battle. And by the way, there were a lot of similarities things because, you know, there was teamwork involved. You worked on a little team that was, that was trying to make money. You know, there was somebody who did the research. There was somebody who did the trading. There was somebody who built the relationships with some customers really felt like an extension of my sports career
0: yeah yeah
1: and by by the way and by the way most of the people that i worked with and against were all athletes in college as well
0: yeah right wall street
1: is wall street is you know the big giant lock wall street's a big giant locker room (laughs) yeah a lot of athletes male and female
0: yeah yeah. Uh, now, shifting over from uh, college to, I guess, post college and poly prep, um, I guess, what, what was your experience as a coach at poly prep and just in general?
1: I had been coaching, you know, having grown up in a house with a father as a coach. And, you know, my brother Matt, you know, your coach had been, you know, we had been athletes all through our lives. Uh, I knew I wanted to be involved in coaching in some respect. So even during my 20 year Wall Street career, I was coaching a lot of club teams some travel teams. Um, so I was involved in coaching. And then as you know, I got older and I got married and I had children, I ended up coaching their teams. So I, I had been coaching and working at several camps as, as coaches, as lacrosse coach as basketball coach. And what happened was uh, after my Wall Street career was over, Uh, I was, I was trying, thinking about possibly getting involved in the summer camp business. I was very interested in working with kids and coaching with kids and being around kids. And what happened was I worked one summer at a camp called Camp Wayne in Pennsylvania. And I was up there and and I was working, but the truth is I was really doing my investigation. I was doing my due diligence. (laughs) Is this something I want to do? Do I want to own a camp? You know, and then I realized, you know, I had a friend who was the director of the camp at the time. And he said to me, he's like, Lou, being a camp director, a camp owner, all you're dealing with is problems all day long. You're a fireman, you're putting out fires every way.
0: <laughs> yeah. You
1: know, there's a fire up on the baseball field, kids are. You know, arguing about something. So right. two months, you know, a mom clenched her neck for three days. Where is he? Is he happy? What's going on? So I decided I didn't want to be in, in the sleepaway camp business. But while I was up there, I discovered a game called Gaga, and I opened up yeah. a party business called Ultimate Gaga out in Long Island, and we did that for about six or seven years. And uh, you know, it was tough because you know, while we were doing okay. Um, You know, the market was really struggling. It was a tough time in the economy. So that made it very tough for us. And we ended up, you know, closing down that business. And I was trying to figure out what my next, you know, career move would be. And, uh, you know, Coach Matt called me one day and said, listen, Polly Prep just fired their lacrosse coach. There's an opportunity there. Why don't you send your resume (laughs) over there and see if they'll hire you? And they hired me. Uh, as a as an interim coach, I took over in midseason, and we ended up, you know, having a, a nice season for the rest of the way. And they hired me full time, and I've been there. This is going to be my fifth year coaching and my fourth year teaching at Poly Prep. Yeah, yeah, that's so
0: really cool.
1: It's been it was quite the ride to get here. It's not yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't say it's the traditional route to get here, but but it, it's turned out to be a good situation.
0: <laughs> Yeah, definitely. And since since you went, since you've been at Poly Prep coaching, um, how has the team been? Um, with the division and etc.
1: We've been okay. I mean, when I first got there, we were we were pretty much in the basement. And then you know, two years later, we ended up tied to third. Uh, so that was we made some really good strides. We've we've had some good players. We have one of our players, Liam Canane, is playing at Hartwick. We had another player, Ben. Um, Ben Balzer was playing at Navy. And, and I think that, you know, the growth is getting there. I mean, our, the younger kids that we have now at Poly are really going to be terrific as they get older and, and be a part of our program. you know as you know as this is a once in a lifetime thing with covid and not having a season last year
0: yeah
1: you know that hurts when you miss a whole year it 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 just hurts in players development it hurts in a lot of ways and 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 also kind of what happened to be quite honest you know when you go to a school like poly prep and when you go to some of these other you know Ivy prep league schools we lose kids to boarding schools yeah they'll go leave yeah. and they'll go to they'll go to taft they'll go to deerfield they'll go to andover You know, they'll go to IMG. So we're always at risk of losing our kids to some of these boarding schools, you know? So while we've done well, we've brought in some kids who've, who've had some lacrosse experience. You know, typically, you know, the way it works for me and what I've seen, you know, we'll have three or four or five, you know, very good lacrosse players, kids where lacrosse is their main sport. And then we'll have a bunch of kids who are good athletes, who are also playing football, they're also playing soccer, they're also playing basketball, and lacrosse is not their main sport, they're still playing for us, and it's great, and I want them to play for us. But it's different than, you know, we have a baseball team which has been incredibly successful. They were ranked number one in New York State. Yeah. And they have a bunch of kids, and baseball is their sport. That's where their focus is. You know? I'm a big multi-sport athlete, as, as you know. You can tell from my background, yeah. uh, and I want multi-sport athletes on my team. Um, we really have to mix and match, and with COVID and the pandemic, you know, we've lost a couple of years because we haven't had middle school lacrosse either. And middle school lacrosse, quite honestly, in seventh and eighth grade, and you know, is when we get a chance to introduce lacrosse to some kids if they if they've never heard of lacrosse if they've never played before, if they're a good athlete, I can take them in 7th grade and in 2 or 3 years teach them to catch and throw, teach them to shoot, teach them how to be a good player, okay?
0: Yeah.
1: And the next thing and the next thing you know, they'll be a good JV and varsity player for us. Yeah. But we we've missed that opportunity because of the pandemic. You know, we haven't had a chance to really bring on more middle school kids like we normally would. And that's been the toughest part of what's happened for us. So I'm a little concerned about two or three years from now. But by the same token, the younger guys we have, we have a lot more younger guys that actually do play lacrosse that came to Poly because they wanted to play lacrosse. So I, I'm not sure how it's going to be. <laughs> I guess yeah. I'm guess i just <laughs> confused. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Yeah. We'll, we'll see who continues to get better. We'll see who stays at Poly.
0: And, you know, we'll go from there. And, and just looking at lacrosse as a, as a whole and just boys lacrosse, like over the years, like as, as you and I both mentioned, like a lot has changed. How do you think the game overall has changed? I think the
1: game has seen tremendous growth on so right? many levels. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, listen, listen. The guys that used to play when I, you know, when I graduated college, there was no real pro league. There was there was an indoor league, which was okay. There was a box league, yeah. But the box league really, you know, they were trying to draw fans by having lacrosse players have fights, drop your gloves, you know that, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and while there was still some some, while there were some really really good players, you know, club lacrosse after college was really the pro lacrosse of its time, and there were great players and and the great place, the same kind of guys that if they graduated college today. They'd be playing in the PLL and the MLL. Well, well now just the PLL. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, what's changed for lacrosse is a couple of things. Number one, like golf and like a lot of other sports, the technology has changed. If you picked up, if I, Ben, if I gave you my stick from college, you put it in your hands and said, coach, this thing weighs a ton. Yeah. Why is it so yeah. heavy? The shaft is so heavy. Why is it? You pick up sticks now, even especially the poles. If you picked up a pole back when, when I used to play, the poles weighed a ton. Yeah, all the you had technology. to be a beast and strong. The technology yeah. has made it sticks are light as a feather. I mean, yeah. they break all the time now, so that's right. not good. And they're expensive now. But there's so many more companies out there. The equipment's better. The gloves are more mobile. You know, They're not quite as stiff as they used to be. You know, sticks are better. The pockets on sticks are better. You know, all the equipment is better, has made for the game to really improve, you know? And I think, you know, like anything else, you've had a lot of young kids that have started playing lacrosse at a very young age, okay? And I I think that's a good thing and a bad thing because, you know, let me ask you a question. When did you actually start playing lacrosse? That was great?
0: Probably,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: Okay, okay. Six, As you're in Long
1: yeah. Island, Long Island in general. If you yeah. haven't started playing lacrosse by seventh grade, they're gonna say, "Oh, you can't play."
0: Yeah,
1: and I'm part of my language. That's BS. Okay, yeah. I can take a kid in seventh grade, eighth grade, ninth grade. I coached with a guy, you know, who play I played with in high school. He was okay. He wasn't all league or anything. He ended up going, and that's community college. His name was Donnie Borges. He was okay. He was good at so He wasn't great. He went to CW Post, which was a division one school at the time. And now it's back to being a division one school. And he was a good player. He wasn't great. And then he started playing club lacrosse and box lacrosse for the pro league. And it was perfect. And he just kept getting better and better and better.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And he never played until 10th grade. Yeah. He never saw- He was a baseball kid. He never picked up a stick. But yeah. if you're a good athlete and you work at it and you put in the time, you can become a really, really good player. I, yeah. I mean, I, I know it. You, you can. I yeah. see it. And that's, and that's really – the truth is, in the city, that's what we need to see more than we've seen a lot of it. You know, right. like I said, Wall Street's the biggest locker room in the world. There's lots of older cross players working on Wall Street and their kids are in the city. And their kids are pl- starting to play more lacrosse. So we're seeing the level of lacrosse in New York City definitely get better.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then in terms of in terms of recruiting in, in today's day and age, how how would you what do you think is like most important for a kid in high school in terms of recruiting or being recruited?
1: Uh unfortunately, I would say the most important thing is to get yourself on a good club team. A club team, a travel team that's gonna go to tournaments where there's gonna be exposure, okay? Uh, Because college coaches have decided, you know, the last ten or fifteen years, it's easier for a college coach
0: to go to a tournament.
1: To go out to to go out to Farmingdale and watch Ben Rims Express team play against the '91 team, okay? Because as a college coach. I know there's good kids on express and I know there's good kids on 91. If I go watch, if I go watch a kid play for poly prep against Dalton. Now there may be a couple of very good players on the team, but there's only going to be some, a few. Yeah. I know that most kids on the express and 91 and some of these other club teams are really good. I'd rather see them play against better players. Then I'll really know how good they are. So What's really happened in terms of college recruiting, in my opinion, is it's mostly based on your club experience. It really is based on your club experience, okay, because they're putting you in tournaments. Although I will say this, the one thing that has changed in the last five years, although it's another, you know, casualty of the pandemic, is on campus, at college, prospect days. A lot of these colleges have these prospect days, because this is, this is their logic. Okay, Ben Rim, you're a good lacrosse player. I'm at Harvard University, and you want to go to Harvard, and you're a good lacrosse player, and you want the Harvard lacrosse coaches to hear about you. So what do you do? They have a camp. They have a prospect day, okay? You go up to their prospect day for that one day. are looking at it now and saying, okay, here's a kid that was willing to to schlep up to Boston to come to Harvard to spend 150 bucks to come to a prospect day to hopefully get noticed by us, okay? As opposed to another kid who went to the Yale prospect day.
0: yeah, (laughs) And he's telling
1: us he still wants to go to Harvard. Well, I'm going to say to myself, guess what? Ben Rim showed me. He came to Harvard. He went to the prospect camp, okay? I know he's interested. I don't know about the kid that went to the Yale Prospect Day. He says right. he's interested, but who knows? So I would say that the Prospect Days and the club tournaments are really the driving force. The high schools are trying to fight back, though. I don't know if you've noticed this in any of your tournaments, but
0: a lot of these teams. tournaments
1: now have high yeah. school teams.
0: Yeah. There are high yeah. school
1: teams in these tournaments. So yeah. you'll have the Express play against Manhattan High School, yeah, or so you'll I've have Garden that. City yeah. play against 91. And that's because the college coaches don't like the fact that the recruiting has really gone away from them. It's gone, it's gone more to the club coach. And the truth is this, as good as a relationship as you can have with your club coach, you might love your club coach and he's a great guy or whatever your high school coach. You're spending every day with you're in with practice with him every day. You're in school with him very often. He's a teacher of yours in, in a certain subject. Okay, who's going to really know you better than someone who sees you every day and is coaching you every day? Yeah. So even though the club coaches are good coaches and they know LaFrost and and I certainly have nothing bad to say about club coaches. You know, I understand why the high school coaches have started rebelling and saying, hey, we're just going to put our high school team in this tournament. So this way, they'll still get the exposure with the college coaches. Okay. yeah. But. And the other benefit, my high school team is getting time to play together, so they're getting better. They're, they're developing team chemistry. If I got twelve kids, if I got twenty kids on my team, and every kid's playing for a different club, one kid's playing Express, one's playing Ninety One, one's playing for the Outlaws, one's playing for Riggy, one's playing for this one, they never play it together other than when yeah. they come to practice at Poly. Yeah. But if I put a team in a tournament as a, as a poly team, guess what? Now they're playing together and that's going to help us when our regular season comes around. Yeah. So the answer to your question is I still think the club lacrosse is the biggest piece in college recruiting and pro and prospect days are right there too. But your, your school experience is getting a little bit more important. It's getting a little bit back to what it used to be.
0: Yeah, and then sort of, sort of like what prospect days are. I know I've, I'm definitely trying to get into some of them like showcases. What are your thoughts on yes. showcases? Well,
1: I think the showcases are the same as the prospect days, and, the, and yeah. they're the same as these club tournaments. It's a chance for kids to go to a place where there's going to be a, a congregation of college coaches that are there to take a look and see what they like. Okay, now, what's the problem with some of these things? I'll give you the problem. Okay, Luke Candel, as a high school lacrosse player, would not have been somebody that a college coach would have been overly interested in. Why is that? I'm not overly big. Yeah. I'm not the guy. I'm not the guy who who is overly fast. I'm not running a four four forty. Okay.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> you know. I'm quick. I'm shifty. I got. I have great eyes. I'm a great feeder. I have great thick work. You know all those things. I have a lot of skills. But just like when you look at the NFL scouting combine, you know they're not looking for the best football player.
0: Yeah.
1: I mean, you know the guy from Bama, Smith. You know Devontae Smith was the best football player in the country this year. They're talking that he's going to get picked oh, Yeah. Seven. Right.
0: Yeah. Now
1: why is it? You know because. You know, people fall in love with numbers. I want the guy that's fast and I'll make him a lacrosse player. Well, in theory, that's true and that's good. But you know what? Sometimes it's good to take a good lacrosse player, even though he might be a step slower than the other guy because he has better skills. He knows how to play. He's got good lacrosse IQ. Okay. Yeah. So, so while the showcases are good, the problem with some of the showcases and the problem with some of the prospect days are, okay, I'm Ben Rim. We really want to get noticed. What do you think you need to do to get noticed? I got to start scoring goals. I got to yeah. dodge. I got to go. I got to do all this stuff. Be
0: aggressive, So instead yeah.
1: of playing really good team lacrosse, everybody's out there for themselves. I need right. a coach to see me. He's got to see me score a goal. He's got to see me, you know, do this. Instead of saying, hey, coach's got to see me make a great pass. coach got to see me do a great job of riding and, and, and you know, busting up a clear. Coach got to see me be great on the wings, on ground balls, okay? And that's some of the problems with some of these showcases. Yeah, kids, you know, there's there's this this sense of I'm here for me, I'm not here for my team, and and that's tough. That can be tough.
0: Yeah. And and how would you recommend? Um, for athletes or maybe just even your own kids that are on your teams, how would you recommend that they, I guess, stay fit in the off season? Um, Or how would you just recommend that they train?
1: You know what? We're we're fortunate, Polly. You know, we have a strength and conditioning, a couple of coaches. One guy that had been, uh, Richard James, had been an an Olympic sprinter from Jamaica. And uh, we have another woman, Coach Jillian Wojcik. And they designed some programs for the kids in the off because they're more qualified than I am to show them, you know, how to stay fit. You know, um, like I said, I like the multi-sport athletes, so I want them staying fit by playing other sports. I think it helps develop skills that will help them in lacrosse and basketball, especially. Um, so yeah, staying staying fit is certainly, and I, and I will tell you this as we've now started to have, you know, some 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 days where we're doing a little bit of working out and throwing the the ball around or whatever and getting ready for our season, you know, in April and May, a lot of kids are out of shape. <laughs> there's yeah. a lot of kids <laughs> in the pandemic that did not stay in shape for sure. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't know if you've seen it on your travel team, but there's guys that I can tell you, forget that they didn't pick up a stick. I can tell that they didn't move from their video games. Right. They were sitting yeah. there playing Call of Duty for a year. You know, <laughs> they definitely weren't out yeah. running around.
0: Yeah. No, yeah, yeah, I completely agree. And, yeah, I think that's all the questions that I have. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah. Ben, it was a pleasure.
1: I really appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. Anytime you want to have a follow-up conversation, that would be great, okay?
0: Thank you for coming. My
1: pleasure. Thanks. I wish you well with it, all right?
0: Thank you.